Okay. So I'm talking about something a little different tonight. And um, on Friday, we're here for prayers on Friday. Awesome, awesome time praying. And after, I, 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 I'm, I could see a couple of faces that were here on Friday, so you probably know where I'm coming from. It was an awesome time praying in the Holy Ghost. One of my favorite things to do was just praying tongues with believers. It's, it's just, it's like a, a plugging a charger into a phone. It just starts charging really fast. And I enjoyed myself on Fridays. I was going home, and Daniel and I were talking. Shoo, shoo, there's a bug here. Daniel and I were talking, and um, I just started thinking about spiritual warfare and all of the stuff we've been doing for the past month. And on Sunday, I think the Lord gave me this message to share with you all. And it's kind of, I'm piggybacking on what Pastor Angela has been talking on in spiritual warfare. I'm talking on unseating the strong man this evening. Um, and I pray you open your hearts to understand what this message is about. It's not meant to be scary. It's meant to be real. Amen? Amen, people. Amen, people. Okay. So we're in a season of spiritual um, sensitivity. The Bible says of the children of Issachar, they had an understanding of the times. If you have an understanding of the times, you'll realize and understand that this time we're in is a time of spiritual warfare. Someone say warfare. Like Pastor Angela said on Friday, this isn't the time to look pretty. This is the time for war. My sisters and I, every once in a while, we get together to pray. And sometimes when we want to go crazy with our prayers, one of the things we say is, anybody ready for war? And then we know we're about to shut this place down. This is the time for spiritual warfare. Amen? And I want you to have that at the back of your mind all through this, this uh, message tonight. Pastor Angela has been on a series on, on spiritual warfare, on deliverance. And I just want to take a little, borrow a sheet of her book and just talk about this for some bits. Because it's time for God's people to be free. Amen? Jesus came to set us free. We cannot live in bondage. Someone say warfare. Oh, you need to say it like we're really fighting. There you go. We must understand that the spiritual world governs the physical world. The Bible says in John 4:24, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, worship here not only means to sing and bow, it also means to serve. Those who serve him must serve him in spirit. Why? Why must we serve him in spirit? After all, we can't see spirits. We're here on earth. Spirits don't go to McDonald's. Everything we do seems to be in the physical. But it's just because the spiritual world governs the physical world. One of my favorite sayings is, the spiritual substructure determines the physical superstructure. The physical world is such a tiny, tiny part of the spiritual world. There's so much more that goes on that we don't see than what we see. Amen? So the God we serve operates in the spirit realm. 
And if we are to serve him, if we are to follow him, we should be there. Christianity, and I'm going to be jumping through many Bible verses, Christianity is a constant state of warfare. Don't let anyone deceive you and, uh, and make you feel Christianity is a tea party. And we're going to be eating waffles and just saying chairs and having fun. Christianity is war. Second Timothy 2 verse 3 says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So what does a soldier do? Huh? Wait, wait, okay, in case you all are, let, let's go through many things. What does a teacher do? What does a painter do? What does a, I wanted to say cooker. What does a chef do? What does, what does a dancer do? What does a soldier do? What do you do? Daniel. What do you do? If you're a soldier of Christ, what do you do? That's what you do. You fight. Amen? The Bible says in Ephesians, I said I was going to be jumping through many Bible verses. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, who are we fighting anyways? This is what the Bible says. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. The enemy knows our pain points. You need to know that. We, we, there, there are two categories of Christians. They are the ones who give the enemy too much credit. And then they are the ones who don't give him any credit at all. But the balanced Christian is right in the middle. You need to understand the enemy has power. He's not just a toothless, he's not just a, a, a myth or that red little thing with two horns and a pitchfork. He's not a cartoon. He's real. Amen. That is why we are in a state of constant warfare. He knows exactly what part of the battle. He, he's a strategist. He knows, hmm, what part do I need to intensify the battle? What, 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 what are the pain points? Where do I touch? He knows exactly what to do to get your confidence down so you lose your reward. He knows exactly what will make you discouraged, what will make you give. He, he knows. And he's smart. So he's there as a chief strategist saying, huh, here's how we're going to fight this battle. And then unfortunately for many of us as believers, we're like, eh, bleh, whatever. You know, amen, praise God. Great service on Sunday. Uh, I may not make it in Sunday or Wednesday, but it's okay. I'm fine. But you don't know. The Bible says be sober, be vigilant. Your enemy, the adversary, he is moving about. Waiting for who to destroy. Amen? Amen, people. To win this battle against the enemy, we must also be strategic. We cannot just fight randomly. Now, I have never been in the army myself, but I've watched enough movies to have an idea of how it works. <laughs> and I know that when they are fighting, they don't just go, oh, 
I'm sorry, I shouldn't use Ukraine and Russia, but well, they're the people that are fighting now. They don't just go, oh, guess what? We're just going to shoot here and bomb their soldiers, let loose, whatever you want to do. Boo, 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 boo. That doesn't happen. That happens in random action movies. In war, there is a lot of strategy. There is a lot of planning. We're going to do this. You're going to use this. You're going to shoot at this time. You're going to bomb at this time. There is planning. We have a lot of weapons of warfare with us. We have a bag of weapons. We need to be strategic as to how we use them. You see, we have the best commander-in-chief, the Holy Spirit himself. We need to be listening. We need to be following. So people say, well, seven Bible verses for financial breakthroughs work for Pastor Larry. So I'm going to do them. Or um, someone did praise a praise marathon for 48 hours, so I'm going to do that. Those are all weapons of warfare. But guess what? They all work very differently. And the Lord wants them to use them at very different times. So the fact that Pastor Larry used seven scriptures to get a million dollars doesn't necessarily mean if I use those seven scriptures, I'm going to get my million dollars, although I'd love to. It doesn't necessarily always happen that way. Everything is subject to the commander-in-chief. So he says, hey, use those scriptures, you're using them. Use war, you're everything, he is telling you what to do, and you are following, Amen. Look at the Israelites, for example. At some point, the Lord would say, be still, be quiet when you fight this battle. At other times, the Lord would say, shout. At other times, the Lord would say, praise. At other times, the Lord would say, don't worry, I'll fight this battle for you. At other times, the Lord would say, leave your wives and children behind. Go and fight. Don't leave one person alive. Different weapons. At other times, the Lord would say, bring a sacrifice. Different weapons of war. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make a point here. There are different weapons of war, but you won't know what to use if you're not listening to the commander-in-chief. So a lot of the time we get caught up as Christians with, ah, I'm going to praise, praise, and I praise uh, for my miracle, and I'm just going to praise, 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 and your commander-in-chief is saying, no, that's not what I want you to do right now. I want you to... Start confessing the word, but you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Miss Shelley Johnson was praising. I'm going to do that instead. You need to be listening to your commander-in-chief. This is no child's play. This is war. Somebody say war. war. Second Corinthians verse ten, chapter 10, verse 4. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down what? Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of God. So who are we fighting? Why do we have this arsenal? Why do we have all these weapons? What on earth are we fighting for? I don't know if you all have watched Mulan. Has anybody watched Mulan? Yeah, yeah, really, really neat cartoon. Um, so they were going to fight in China. You all should watch it. They were going to fight in China, and they were singing, you know, 
Uh, what are we fighting for? And the, the soldiers were getting tired and weary and they were going up to war. And, you know, anyways, they start thinking about what they could fight for. And some people are thinking, oh, I'll fight because I have a girl back home or for food or whatever the reasons are. It gave them strength. So these guys were dragging their feet one scene, and the next thing they start singing and thinking of all the things they're fighting for, and they get energized and they're ready to fight. What are you fighting for? The soldier who has no why is going to be a purposeless fighter. You're just there in the field with your gun, not sure what you're doing, not sure how to fight because you don't have a why. Why are you fighting? Who are you fighting? Amen? Don't worry. That was not a gunshot. Here's the story of how the war started. A quick recap before we go into details. God created the earth, true or true. He handed it over to man, true or true. What did man do? He handed it over to the devil on a platter of gold. He's like, here, take it. And once he handed it over to the devil, the devil became in charge. It was no more man's world. It became the devil's, it has become the devil's world. Because he's in charge. That is why he could tell Jesus. Remember the temptation of Jesus? Where he took Jesus to the top of the temple and he showed him and said, Look, look at everything, all of these beautiful cities. I'm going to give it to you if you bow down and worship me. Do you all remember that story? You're like Wednesday night crowd, so I know you know all this stuff. He wasn't lying. Man actually gave it to him. So it really was his own. And he was telling Jesus, it is mine. I could give it to you. Everything. He has control over this earth. You need to know that. You need to understand that he has control. And he has put his strong men in the pillars of influence. What are the pillars of influence? There are seven of them. There's the family pillar. There's the pillar of education. And we're going to go back and ask ourselves, do you, I'll ask you if you see the hand of the enemy in all of these pillars. There's the pillar of education. These pillars of influence make up society. There's the pillar of entertainment. There's the pillar of politics and government. There's the pillar of business and finance. There's the pillar of religion. And there's the pillar of media and entertainment. I'm going to ask you now, Let's go through these pillars and see if you can recognize the hand of the enemy. In families, has the devil marked his territory in families, yes or no? Every day we see divorce, conflict, children are talking to parents, children raised in church going astray. We see all of these things. Do we see them or we don't see them? The devil has marked his territory. In education, think about it. What does the devil have to do with education? Everything. Because the Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. The devil's like, okay, I'm going to do this. So we see all of a sudden, reading your Bible in school is a big deal. Praying in the playground is a huge thing. You probably will get into trouble if you witnessed too much at school. A friend of mine was telling me her child got into trouble for saying something that 
was actually appropriate. And they made the child feel it was inappropriate. And I'm like, huh, what a way to confuse that child. Entertainment. Do you see the hand of the devil? Who, who, who controls entertainment? Think about it. The movies we watch. To find a clean movie is like looking for the proverbial needle in the haystack. To find a movie where everybody is not ready to rip off their clothes. To find a movie that is not pushing homosexuality. To find a movie that is just sane. Who do you think is controlling all of that? Do you think it's a coincidence? I mean, we need to, we need to be, I talked about it earlier, we need to be strategic. It is not a coincidence that all the movies coming out, all the cartoons, all of these things are saying exactly the same thing. How about politics and governments? Is it a coincidence that almost all the governments of the world do not bow their knee to Jesus? Is it a coincidence? That politics is a very, very... And I don't even care if you're blue, red, whatever. It doesn't matter. That's not what I'm talking about. Politics is dirty. It's dirty. Governments of the world, they're dirty, they're dirty. True or true. I'm not even going to give you the option to say false. It doesn't matter who was president, who is president, or who will be president. The devil has marked that place out as his territory. How about business and finance? Who controls the money? Who controls the business world? How about religion? Religion that should be ours. We see a million shades of religion now. We see, Miss Pat was telling us of a new Bible the other day that, (laughs) a Christian Bible that has, they took out, they don't want to refer to God as a he, because it is not inclusive. So you can't everywhere God says he or, you know, he's, they, they took out that pronoun because it's not inclusive. God is not a man. I mean, as a woman, how would you feel if they were referring to this man, 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 God? That's a real life Bible, people. This is religion. Okay, how about even in the church of Christ? We see division and contention. And I mean, come on, people. Can you not recognize the hand of the enemy? I know everyone will say, will, will understand this one. We would vote 100% that the enemy is in charge of the media. <laughs> False news. We all know <laughs> that the enemy is in charge of the media. And I'm not just talking Facebook because I know everybody goes, ah, oh, the devil is in charge of Facebook. The devil is in charge of all the TV stations too. He is busy. What are we doing? He has marked out his territory. Let's open to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 3 verse 27, I'm sorry. It says, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. I'm talking about unseating the strong man. Generational curses, all of these things, they don't just lift because we say so. Things don't just happen because we share or we like. I, I know the, the people, they're just 
things that memes on Facebook. If you share this ten times, if you share this to five people, this generational curse will be broken. The devil is like, really? <laughs> really, Linda? <laughs> things don't just happen because we want them to. Things happen because we take authority and fight for them to happen. We don't just sit down and, and, and practice some sort of passive Christianity where we live below the standard of redemption. That is not what Jesus died for. Amen? I, 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 a lady told me one time, I raised my child in church. I did everything. Church, church, church. And now my child is, you know, has gone out of church, has gone astray, is not serving the Lord. And I have talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. And my child is not coming back to God. And I was, I was listening. And this scripture came to my mind. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. It says, Whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So she was talking and preaching without understanding that there is a God of this age who is the strong man who had bound her child. So no matter what she was saying, it wasn't making a lick of sense. So you are talking and wondering, why is my child not saved? There is a strong man. You are wondering, why can't my children follow God? Why can't my children serve the Lord? There is a strong man. You need to understand how he works. You know, we, 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 we can say everything we want to say and be pretty about everything and bring our children to church and sing Jesus loves me this I know a million times. But if we don't understand spiritual warfare, once the enemy comes and takes those children, we'll be left hanging. And that's what he wants. That is, there is a strong man. He, that's what the Bible says. He has blinded their eyes. No matter what you do, you could do cartwheels. You could bring them to the most awesome service where they could literally see the Holy Spirit come down. But their eyes are blinded. So everything you're saying in Nigeria lingo, it's in your pockets, meaning it's your business. It makes no sense. It makes no meaning to them. You should be fighting the strong man, not your child. The person you are at war with, remember, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not your child who has decided they want to live a crazy life or they, what, they, you gave birth to a Jane and she wants to be a judge or whatever. That is not who you are fighting. You are fighting the strong man. Once you unseat him, then you can take what belongs to you. Amen? Are we following? Again, I'm not trying to scare anyone and go, oh, nightmares. No, no, no. This is war. This is why we're Christians. Amen? The killings and the violence in our world today, there's a strong man in charge. Do you think it's a coincidence that we can't have peace? Today, fightings today, fightings tomorrow. I mean, everywhere you go, people are fighting, 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 killing, bloodshed. There's a strong man in charge. Before I talk too much, let's check out the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 to 13. 
Then he said to me, do not fear Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Now Daniel was praying, and this was the reply he got from an angel. Let's move on to the next verse. Oh. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Quick background to the story. Daniel was praying, and he had been praying, and he had been praying. But there was a strong man named the prince of Persia who sat there and said, prayers are not getting answered today. And this angel was fighting and fighting, trying to bring the answer to Daniel. But the prince of Persia was saying, you are going nowhere. So the angel had to call for backup. This, this is not a fairy tale, really. This is real Bible, Bible stuff that happened. The angel had to send for backup. And Michael came, not this one. The angel Michael came and helped him fight. And he came to Daniel. The angel now came to Daniel to, de- to deliver what he was supposed to get. Think, it makes me think, if there's a prince of Persia, there most likely is a prince of the United States. There most likely is a prince of Mexico. There most likely is a prince of Nigeria. There is a God of the world who is sitting and saying, this is what is going to happen. So we're here praying, Lord, answer us. You need to unseat the strong man so your answer will come speedily. Amen? Amen? Can somebody say war? war? Yo, you need to say it with all the anger and emotions. Can somebody say war? war? Yep, that's what we're doing. But someone will ask, aren't we saved? Why, we're saved. I mean, if I'm, 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 I'm a believer, that's all, you know, that doesn't really matter. It's like stories and all of that stuff. My dear, it matters a lot. If you are saved, you have escaped from the kingdom of the enemy. See, the enemy has just three things he wants to do. Steal, kill, and destroy. Nothing more. He's not very, well, he's, he's not very brilliant. He's brilliant, just barely. <laughs> he's not very, he doesn't have a ten-point agenda. Three, steal, kill, and destroy. So you've escaped. But what will he do to either drag you back? If he can't drag you back, what else can he do? He can keep stuff that belongs to you. So you've escaped, but you're not going to go with your children. You're saved, right? Oh, your children will remain here. You're saved, oops, but no money. You just be a church rat, a broke Christian. That's fine by him. I'm going to keep all the money. You're saved, oops, but you'll never walk in good health. Your health is with me. Think about it. Isn't that what Pharaoh did? When the children of Israel wanted to leave, he said, go, you could go, but leave your stuff behind. Go, go, I'm not, I'm not stopping you. You're saved, right? Let's worship your God, but I keep your stuff. These are the goods the Bible is referring to that a strong man has kept. What are your goods that he has kept? You need to know what it is you are fighting for. Is it your children? Is it your money? Listen, the devil fights Christians a lot in the place of money because he knows if we're saved, the world will change in no time. Half our prayers will be answered. And I mean, just with the money. Imagine if all of us were multi-millionaires. Well, let's, let's step it up. If all of us were billionaires. Amen? amen. Y'all say amen. 
If all of us were billionaires, who amongst us will have a need that will not be met easily? Have these prayer points, we will answer. I'm telling you. House, I'll give you a house, no problem. You need a new car, here it is. You need a job, come work in my company. How far will the gospel go? How far? Think about it. If all of us were billionaires, every TV, as a matter of fact, we'll buy TV stations just to play um, um, sermons morning till night. As a matter of fact, we'll buy TV stations for, for the fun of it. Movies, not this low, I'm sorry, I shouldn't criticize, some low budget movies. They're Christian movies, but they're so low budget. I try to make my children wean them off Netflix and give them an alternative Christian one. And they're like, Mom, no! <laughs> it's so bad. Low budget acting and low budget, you know, cameras and everything. I'm like, eh, we're going back to Netflix. If, I think about it, if we were financial pillars, if all of us were billionaires, we would change this world in no time. Why? Is it a coincidence that the people who have the most money are unbelievers? That the richest people in the world don't believe in God? It's not a coincidence. Because the enemy is saying, you want to worship God, worship him, but I keep your money. But here's what we're doing. We're making excuses. Well, it's okay. I, I, as long as I serve Jesus, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. He could have it. I just want Jesus. Give me Jesus alone. And Jesus is like, what? Like I died so you could have all that money. All we're saying, it's too late. I'm older now. I'm retired now. There's no way I could get the money from. Excuse me? Your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He literally your own father. And you are the heir to that promise. You, the inheritance is yours. It doesn't matter if you're two days old or 200 years old. It applies to you. What you have to do, you need to tell that strong man, get out! You need to unseat him so you could take everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything that has been predestined for you. Amen? Amen, people. Mark 3.27. This is the foundational scripture. I've read it from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. No man, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Many of us Christians, we try to get the goods first. We're trying and he's, and we're, we're, we're taking like little, little bits. You know, you try so hard, you take a little bit, and the strong man is there, and you're trying, and you're trying, when all we need to do is bind him, throw him out of the way, and take all our stuff in a goodie bag. Amen? Matthew 18, 18 says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth, will be losing in heaven. This means, it simply means you have the authority to bind that strong man. So I want you to turn to somebody by your side and say, you have the authority. What? You don't say it louder. Say, you have the authority. You do. Whatever you bind on earth is bound where? So why aren't we binding? 
Whatever we lose here is lose where? Why aren't we losing? Why are we complaining? Why are we, like I tell my ch- children, why are we whining? God, you haven't given me what I asked for. It's like day three. And God is like, you need to be doing the work. You are in a battle. You are at the forefront of the battle. God forbid that we'll turn our backs and run before the enemy. God forbid. Amen? Now, how do we unseat the strong man? And I'm almost rounding up because we have to uh, practice what we preach. We're going to have to pray a little bit tonight. How do we unseat the strong man? First thing we must do, we must recognize our power in itself is inadequate. We don't have enough power to do that. But there's someone who has power. First John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, and you have overcome because greater is he who is in who? Me. Than? Me. Greater is the one inside of you than the strong man in the world. This is the secret to your strength. You have the greater one. You need to understand that fact that by myself, Noja, completely powerless. But you see, the one inside of me, we'll talk about him soon. First John 5, 4, next chapter. It says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. How many people here are born of God? How many people here have overcome? How many people here know this? You are born of God. You have the greater one inside of you. Why should we run away? Why should we cower? Why should we be afraid? Why should we be worried or distressed when we have the greater, actually the greatest one on the inside of us? So you need to know that by yourself you have no power, but you have a source. Of power and your source never runs dry no matter how much you draw power from him he never goes dry he is the river that never runs dry second thing you have to do and i'm almost done you need to understand the power of the new covenant you need to dig into the word of God and see the provision that has been made for you as a result of the finished work of Christ on the cross. Jesus didn't go to the cross for fun. He didn't go to the cross because he felt, hmm, this would be a great day to die. He went to the cross for our salvation. He went to the cross to give us the key. He went for you. So I, sometimes I think about it, especially when I go through whatever challenges I go through. I, sometimes I'm like, God, I refuse to let your sacrifice be in vain. Like you, you actually went through all of this stuff for me, and then I am bound in one way. That's not going to happen. I will not live below the standard of redemption. I can't. Not after what he did. You can't, not in your family, not in your finances, not in your health, not in your marriage, not in any way. I think it was Smith Wigglesworth that said, I'm leaving the kingdom of darkness and I'm not even going to leave a chicken bone to the enemy. I'm taking my meat and my bones too. 
Jesus died so I could have it all. Why should I leave him anything? Why should I leave him my child? Why should I leave him my money? He's getting nothing. Someone say nothing. Understand that covenant. Understand that this new covenant, it supersedes everything. This is the foundation of our Christianity. This is the foundation of our faith. This is what we believe. Amen? Let me give you a, a recap of what Jesus did on the cross in Colossians 2, 14 to 15. And I've shared a lot of Bible verses. I hope you've written some of them down so you could go home and reread them. And I'm sure the Holy Spirit will give you understanding as you do. Colossians 2, 14 to 15. It says, having canceled... Oh, okay. Hmm. I have another version here. I'm just going to read my version. AMPC. Having canceled and blotted out and wiped away. This is what Jesus did on the cross. Having canceled, I'm telling you about the new covenant, and blotted out and wiped away the handwriting of the nose bond with its legal decrees and demands which was enforced and stood against us. This note with its regulations, decrees, and demands. Where is that? Hmm. Anyways, I'll just keep reading. He set aside and cleared completely out of our way by nailing it to the cross. God 15, God disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us and made a public display, a bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them in him. And that is on the cross. He did this for you. This is your new covenant. Publicly, he made a show. I like to imagine it this way. Publicly. Sickness, disgraced. Poverty and lack, disgraced. What is it? Rebellion of children, disgraced. Marital problems, everything you can think of. He made a public show for you. You need to understand this new covenant. You need to understand what it is he has done. The third thing you need to do, you need to activate it. One of my children's um, TV shows, Wildcrats, their favorite TV show, it's regular human beings and um, whenever there's a situation, they could activate whatever power it is. Activate falcon power and then you become a falcon. Activate lion power and then you have the powers of a lion. Whatever it is, people, you need to activate this new covenant power. I'm telling you, it's as easy as pushing that button they push on their, on their little watch band. You need to activate that power because it is available for you. The power of the new covenant is already available. Amen? The covenant is of no use to you if it is not activated. I don't know if you've ever traveled to another country and you've had to buy a new phone because your line won't work in the new country you're in. Well, you could get a new phone and have it in your pocket all you want. But if you don't activate it, you sure are not receiving any calls. No matter how much you, you know, you know, you understand how a phone works. You have it in your pocket. You know you have the ability to receive calls. If you do not activate it, no matter how much you pray and fast, are you going to receive any call? That is what some of us are doing. 
We understand how the covenant works. We literally have it in our pockets, but we're not activating it. And we're like, God, I've been begging you. I've been praying. I've been fasting. And God is like, turn it on. Activate the covenants. How can we activate the covenants? First of all, you need to understand that you are fighting from a position of victory. You are not fighting for victory. You already know how the story ends. You are privileged enough to have seen the end from the beginning. So your position is seated with God far, far, far above principalities. Far, not just you are seated above. The Bible says far above. There's a huge distance there. So you are fighting from a position of victory, not fighting for victory. There is a difference between battles and wars. There is one war, and it has been won. We're just fighting battles. But we already know the big war has been won. We know, there's a song like that. We know how the story ends. We already know this. So once you have that knowledge, you have faith. In it, your faith is the button that activates that covenant. And the devil, this is where he, he binds us as believers. This is where he keeps us bound because we know, we know God is a deliverer. But will God deliver me? We know God is a provider, but will God provide for me? We know God is a healer, but will God heal me? We know God is a savior, but will God save my child? So once he is able to throw in those little doubts and, hmm, but I'm, I'm not trying to say, but, you know, your child has, has really gone far, you know. I mean, she hasn't been in church in 20 years and most likely won't be in church for the next 20 years. So, and you're thinking, hmm, that's true. Well, I mean, whatever it is, he just wants you to get passive, well, and accept your fate. Well, it is what it is. I tried. I was a good mom. I was a good dad. I guess God touched my child whenever you want to. And then he's there sneakily smiling. Ha, got that one. (laughs) Because he knows that once you get into that passive position, you've dropped your weapons and you won't fight anymore. So what you want to be doing is when he's telling you, your child hasn't been there for... Get behind me, Satan. You want to be decreeing, I and the children the Lord has given me, they are for signs and wonders. My child hasn't been in church for 20 years. My child will be in church for the next 20 years. Because my child stepped out of church. Once my child returns, (laughs) once my child returns, that child will destroy the kingdom of the enemy. You want to be doing those. You want to be fighting. You don't want to be accepting. This is what activating the covenant is. It's a little button. Do I press it? Do I not? Do I have faith? Uh, he, the devil is telling you, e, there's no way. All, what all the preaching they preach in church is all well and good. But you can't change the fact that you end. I don't know, $10,000 a year. There's nothing you're going to do to change that. You can't buy a house. You can't get a car. It's, it is what it is. And you're like, that's true. It is what it is. Better look for how I could take more loans. 
Once he gets you into that position where you accept his rubbish, you stop fighting. When you should be telling him, wait, I know who my father is. Everything I need has already been provided. God is not going to start providing it today. He has already provided it. Do you see what I'm saying, people? Activate the covenant. Tell someone, activate the covenant. Tell another person, activate the covenant. We're talking about unseating. Tell one more person, activate the covenant. We're talking about unseating the strong man. I want you to look through your life and see things that have been happening. Some events that have happened that you will probably not have noticed. You'd have thought, oh, that's just a coincidence. Or, eh. I want you to now look at it with new lenses and recognize the hand of the enemy because he's very good at hiding and being deceptive. Now you see me, now you don't. I want you to see him for who he is and now gear up to unsit him and take what belongs to you. The fourth thing in unsitting the strong man is to go ahead and bind him. There's really no, no, no huge insights there. You have what it takes. You have access to power. You understand the covenant. You've activated the covenant. Well, go ahead, bind him and tell him to get out. That's all that's left. So I want you to look at areas of your life that have been bound. It could be your money, your health, your whatever it is. If you are not sure, throw back and think about things that that's something Danny and I pray about very often. When we see something has happened once and it has happened again, we, we say, Satan, we recognize your, your footprints. We recognize these events. They are not random. And here we are. We are ready for war. We're not going to let you get away with this the third time. You did it once. What There's a saying like that, fool me once. Something? No, not that one, baby. <laughs> nah, that's not it. Something about Saint Michel. Thank you. That's it. <laughs> that's it. If he fools you the third time, he, you, you, we, we, people, we need to fight. We need to fight. So we're going to do something, right? We're going to pray for the next couple of minutes. But later tonight, I want you to wake up I want you to think about your personal life. Think about your family, your children. Look at whatever strong man has put his seat. There are families where, I, I, was, I was sharing with you and, and Auntie Gladys the other day about a lady who was telling us in her family, funny enough, it's a family of pastors. There must always be one child getting pregnant out of wedlock. It doesn't even matter how pastoral the pastor is. Somebody must get pregnant out of wedlock and most likely before the age of 16. Look through your home. Look through your family. Look for the strong man there and today decide tonight I am going to bind you and unseat you. You cannot operate here anymore. It is time to give him quick notice. It's time for him to leave. Amen? Let's rise up. We're going to pray.
we're going to start with praying for this country. Remember how we talked about the Prince of Persia? The Bible says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You would only have peace when there's peace in Jerusalem. What I want you to do, I, I'm, a, I'm a movie prayer person. So I want us to move around. If you want to go touch the map, touch the map. If you want to go touch the flag, touch the flag. If you want to go talk, touch anybody who's American, touch that person. We are going to be praying and we're going to be unseating the strong man over this nation. We are telling him, enough is enough. We say no. The church of God is rising up tonight and we're saying, Satan, get out. We bind you in the name of Jesus. Let me hear you pray, people. We are taking what belongs to us. We are saying no to bloodshed. We're saying